This episode of The Interface, I speak with Dan Gorsuch, Director of Sales and New Business Development for the Amphenol Mobile Consumer Products Group. Dan has been with Amphenol for 14 years, but has been in the connector industry for nearly 30 years. We talk about adjusting to working with customers and developing business during the coronavirus pandemic. We talk about the inherent volatility in the mobile consumer products market and how the difference between success and failure is sometimes measured in hours, not weeks or months. And we talk about being a former college catcher who became an announcer at ice skating competitions. This is The Interface. Dan, first of all, thank you very much for for coming on this uh, show today. The show, look, I'm calling it a show now, a podcast, <laughs> whatever it may be. But but thank you very much for joining me uh, out of your home office outside of Chicago. And for someone who is a, a director of sales and new business development for the mobile group, you certainly have probably gotten a chance to use your mobile device an awful lot, especially from your home office in the past few months. But in all honesty, what has this been like for you, for someone who's on the road so much, to be, in essence, just kind of stuck working from home here the past few months? Yeah, thank you, Chris. And and thanks for having me, by the way. I think this is a great, great forum for, for getting to know some people around the company. Um, it has changed my dynamic personally because I was probably... 90% on the road, traveling either West Coast, East Coast, uh, domestically, Canada, uh, Mexico, and then certainly overseas to both uh, Europe and China. So right now my, uh, my luggage is missing me. And uh, so I, 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 think, I think the dynamic of you know, how we reach our customer, how do you stay in touch, what kind of structure you're using out of a home office compared to in a, in a building setting, all those dynamics and changes uh, are happening around us, whether it's uh, even even the customer in their locations at home, uh, wherever, dogs barking, whatever happening in the background. We have to deal with those kind of dynamics of change and how, how to stay in touch, understand what the requirements are for whatever the program is, how it's moving along, mm-hmm. and, and making sure that we're, we're finding um, ways to stay connected because uh, we, we, we do a lot of personal uh, touches uh, relative yeah. to lunches or a dinner or something like this. Lobby time. I talk to the guys a lot about our lobby time, missing that uh, spontaneous exchange that happens in a lobby from time to time, even if you weren't even expecting it. Sometimes it's a lobby dwell that's intended. All that we have to now adjust to phone, uh, WeChat, uh, Zoom call, whatever the, the, the virtual medium could be. Right. And so we have to maximize that time in front of uh, that customer and be very, very efficient, maybe even preparing more for those kind of meetings than even before. You know, I've talked to a few people in similar roles to you since this uh, the COVID-19 virus has has really dominated how uh, we've changed the way we've worked, is, I guess, probably a better way to say it. But what I found people saying quite often is that they actually have improved the amount of re, uh, interactions that they've had with customers. And in fact, oftentimes, they're able to get in contact and have in-depth conversations with people more than they were when they're trying to do it face-to-face because now they're almost looking for people to talk to and they can't ignore them. Do you find the same thing with you and your team? You know, it varies by customer. We found that exactly what you just said, uh, certain customers now um, being on the clock fully, there's no downtime walking from one meeting conference room to another. So 
when they schedule back-to-back meetings, but when they have you and you have that personal one-on-one time, you don't have those distractions. Somebody walking in the meeting room, somebody uh, possibly passing by uh, uh, for, you know, uh, uh, in a phone outside, they're walking from, from a building to another building and trying yeah. to make, make contact. So distractions are at a minimum. The other is, you know, I think we find ways to either by recurring meetings now or being scheduled more this way because mm-hmm. their blocks of time are shortening to, to have as many meetings as what they're having. Mm-hmm. And we find also that depending on how those calls go, they begin to invite other people to join. It's not just the one-on-one. And now, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to have so-and-so join the next meeting. And now it collectively becomes not one. It could be five. So, yeah, to your point, depending on the customer, some like that structure. Some like the offhanded to say, I'm going to text you, and then I'm going to call you directly after. And so we're finding that uh, everybody's using a little bit different way in which they're reaching out. But I agree with you. I think the working hours of everyone have actually expanded. Yeah. So so in some cases, it's good. In other cases, it's uh, just a matter of uh, managing it. Yeah, I know, because you're always on call now. There's really no excuse. Um, yeah. yeah or the, and there can be that expectation of that, which... Yeah, it could, you know, maybe get tiresome after a while, but convenient. And so you have to take advantage of it. Yeah, and that that's that's the best way of putting it. Taking advantage of you know, it's terrible situation and what's going on, pandemic and all. No one wants to see uh, anybody be affected by this or illness affected. But in in the sense that we have this time now that we didn't have maybe as you know, at least global traveling or even the meeting exchanges, driving in traffic, whatever it is, yeah, yeah. train time. Now the luxury of you, what do we do with that time? And uh, how do we best spend that time? So uh, yeah, making the most of that and maximizing that with the customer. So you are part of the mobile consumer products group. So for people who don't know, can you just give a brief, your elevator sp- speech, your elevator pitch, you know, there's 60 seconds or two minutes for what the MCP group is all about. Yeah. So we're, we're comprised of uh, six operations, uh, Shanghai Amphenol Airwave, which make antenna design and make antenna. They're the largest mobile consumer antenna manufacturer in the world, uh, bar none. Uh, Amphenol Taiwan Corporation uh, is our second, also another antenna design development group in Taiwan utilizing the Shanghai uh, manufacturing lines. So we have kind of a dedicated group in Taiwan just to support that local Taiwan and ODM market for antenna. Amphenol Hangzhou Phoenix, so they're making metal injection molded components, but also traditional was the flip hinge and slide hinge from days gone by. Now it's morphed and pivoted into uh, laptop hinges and kickstands for tablets. Mm The Mobile Connector Solutions Group operations in Changzhou, again, small miniature connectors going into these mobile devices, and also accessory cables, uh, charge cables, or, or data cables coming off of those devices. MCP Korea, a metal injection molding uh, component supplier, mainly for the Korea market. They're, they're uh, located just uh, near Seoul. And then finally, Amphenol Sunpool ASP, they were acquired 2017 as a automotive uh, domestic China market uh, supplier. I see. And so they were brought into the fold at that time. So our markets are had traditionally been laptop, tablet, obviously handset, but we've diversified wearable hearables. Mm-hmm. We kind of put those kind of two together, smart home and home automation. So you can think of smart speakers and smart devices around the home. 
industrial handheld computing, your payment terminals to very specific for DHL or FedEx or those kind of companies might have those kind of devices. Uh, Wi-Fi, small cell, and then finally cable TV set-top box. And now this IoT, whatever we're going to call it, that's right. connected, connecting everything to everything from coffee mugs to, to, uh, uh, to your pens. Right. So this is the kind of place that we, we thrive in, a very diverse, complex, and very dynamically moving and volatile type of market. Yeah, and, and I'll come back to that in just a second. But if you can talk then in terms of the highlights of the product portfolio with which those divisions then manufacture, design and manufacture products. So what are some of the highlights from a, a product standpoint? Yeah, if we look at mobile antenna today, um, most of the antenna that we saw years ago, the, the first retractable antenna was, was actually within our group put into a, mm-hmm. a device from days gone by. A lot of those antenna that are in these mobile devices now have moved internal to the device. You don't see them anymore. And uh, we use a number of different technologies to produce those antenna. And the antenna can can be, again, from Shanghai Amphenol Airwave and designed uh, there, manufactured in Shanghai, but also from Amphenol Taiwan. And those antenna now in devices, there could be 6, 8, 10, 12 antenna per small, small devices. Wow. This is really their core capability, but also ramping to such high volumes in a very short period of time. Amphenol Hangzhou Phoenix, a great story because they started in that uh, flip hinge and slide hinge from days gone by as mm-hmm. kind of mechanics. Over time, when the uh, some of those devices turned into just a candy bar, uh, there's yeah. no more hinge, they moved into touchscreen sensor-type uh, technology for about a two- or three-year period, divested, pivoted again, and uh, now they're into, uh, again, back into laptop, tablet, kickstand, and other mechanical-type pieces, as well as automation equipment. So we're not only producing automation equipment for our own internal purposes to create Mm -hmm. devices, but also send to our end customers, and they use those for testing uh, various test points uh, in Mm -hmm. their products. And then finally, our mobile connector solutions group, they're uh, producing the very, very small miniature IOs. So it could be a USB-C, it could be a micro miniature RF connector, a small spring clip, pogo pin, or maybe some of the memory type devices, small micro SD, or even uh, uh, some of the, the nano SIM that are in the devices. Some of that, uh, again, technology shifts happening with eSIMs. And so the shift is how to stay relevant in some of those uh, connector spaces where internal to the device, it's getting smaller, mm-hmm. thinner, and we're having to find new technologies to connect things uh, within. So that's uh, that's the, the greater part of our group and what they do. If you have an opportunity, I'm sure everyone's pretty much heard of Amphenol in your market space now, but let's just say someone new comes along and you don't have a relationship with them. What would you say to them about what makes Amphenol mobile consumer products unique in the market space that they should certainly consider us as a supplier for them? Yeah, that's a great question, Chris, because I think in the DNA of our uh, organization, and it starts right from the top, even from Adam and on down to Mm -hmm. Richard and our team, each of the general managers and the way they run their organizations, all response to customer request and try to provide that response within 24 hours or less. Mm -hmm flexibility and being nimble to ramp up quickly and ramp down quickly. Both are just as important. We sure. we don't like the ramp down side, but yeah. it happens because the hopes are 
you've done such a good job in the ramp up that the next generation project is coming right behind and therefore you're kind of overlapping that and ramping up the next project while the, the last one's ramping down. So as soon as you can ramp down the last one and be ramping up the next one. And that overlap is a really, the crosshairs of, of mm. a very difficult uh, way to stay flexible. Adjustment to the technology and market shifts. We talked a little bit about that before. And I think really we try to maintain those personal relationships to engineering, sourcing, everybody within the organization because those things follow you, whether it was the next project or maybe the next company, you know, on that, in yeah. that Bay area, things change quite, quite quickly. So, <laughs> yeah. so those, those are the, in the DNA of our group. I think it's responsiveness and nimbleness and flexibility. You talked about volatility earlier and I come from the military and aerospace side of things where, yeah, sure. There's volatility, but you also get designed in on a program. You could be there 20, 30, 40, 50 years that is absolutely not the case in the market space that you're in where, you know, at best, you're probably looking at 18 months to two years. How do you deal with that? How is it different from, say, your contemporaries on, you know, a, a side of the industry, whether it be industrial or, like I said, military and aerospace, where it's a much longer period of time that, that you could really be locked into a program? Yeah, some of that comes back to that DNA and how to be responsive, uh, knowing that every day, every answer, perhaps, and maybe, you know, hour to hour, because we've had design changes happen, and it's a constant flow. It's almost liquid in that respect or fluid. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so being very flexible to that fluidity, because if you're not, and you find yourself locked into a design corner of some sort, and not finding a way out, that maybe six hour period just left you in the dust. And so that's the way we think of the things. It's an hourly. Um, mm -hmm. It could be daily. We're luxury if it's a week. And so the mindset of knowing that you have such short periods of time to respond and get back with a, and uh, what we do, and, and, and I'm sure a lot of other companies in the industry do this, but it's more of a, how you respond to a design and, and the design has a, uh, design for manufacturing, those mm -hmm. DFMs, how quickly you can cycle those back to the customer. If he gives you a, a, a 3D model one day, you already have the DFM back to them the next day. And this is the kind of fluidity. And sometimes it's a 12-hour cycle because they may have the same on their side, both mm -hmm. uh, chi China and a U.S. or China, uh, Europe or Europe, U.S., whichever, all those combinations, or maybe all three in between. And we're dealing with all those time clocks that each one touched it, moved it on to the next. And if we if we miss one of those beats, we could be already left. So I think it's it's timeliness, it's supportive, and the team already has that built into their into sure. their their own biological clock. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, they it, it literally, I I think you see this twelve hour kind of ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. We always have it seems like always someone on the clock working against the time, the, whatever the timing of the project. So. I said this before, I mean, rolling with the changes of who is actually the, the who's who of certain companies, mm -hmm. I mean, the changes that have occurred in 10, 15 years when there were a number of companies that would be at the top of our list of, of who we were going to focus on. And as a result of market changes, people, you know, companies buying companies and they're morphing into maybe a different market strategy. Yeah. We have to be ready and willing to follow that flow as well. So not only the technology shift, but the market flow and where that's headed and try to look out as best we can, best crystal ball we can see yeah. and uh, follow the trend. 
What do you like the most about this industry? What excites you the most when you're doing this day to day, month to month, year to year? I'm a gadget guy. I, I, I've always been intrigued about looking inside what's underneath and how's it work. And yeah. and the one thing I think being at the leading edge of some technologies that are, are just now you know starting to come out, you hear terms of 5G or, or this fifth generation uh, uh, communications coming out. Seeing that happen at its earliest stages of how it's building out. And then you see kind of these marketing commercials and, and you kind of shake your head. I, I, that's that's not quite how it actually is, but they've done they've done an actually a really good job of promoting their tech. So yeah. being on kind of on the inside of those things, yeah. and then especially when there's kind of this new birthing of something that you just you look at and say, boy, this this could be really cool. I think this might really sell really well. And being on those leading edges of some of those things, whether it be from the antenna, the connector, the cable, or even the, 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 the hinge or a metal injection molded part, doesn't matter. We, we look at all those areas and say, man, if we're at the front end of those types of new developments. That's the fun stuff. So, so we really enjoy and thrive on that. I guess I never really thought about it this way until just now, but you really are, are leading the development of products that within Amphenol, it's the one group I think you could definitively say that probably just about every single person carries in their pocket something that you guys have had a hand in designing and developing. You know, I, I'm not going to go in a tank anytime soon or fly in an F-35, but <laughs> we all walk around with cell phones in our pockets or iPads that we're typing on or, or laptops. So that's got to be pretty satisfying. Yeah. It, so, you know, thinking about, you know, what's not, especially now you're sitting at your desk and you know, what, what are the next things that might be interesting to have now around us versus where we were sitting in an office setting or maybe in a travel setting, whatever. Mm -hmm. But as those kind of new devices are now already starting to boil up and it's only been a couple of months, right? I mean, yeah. I hope it doesn't yeah. last too much longer like this, but yeah. I, those are those are interesting things to be a part of and always exciting to hear somebody's new idea. Hey, we have an idea for how can you help us? Mm -hmm. And that's the exciting thing. I think that our team is always on board to listen. Of course, it's, it's always uh, looking at the risk and uh, what's it mean in terms of the amount of business that uh, can come from this. And we do our best to support uh, whatever that project is. So you've been with Amphenol how long now? How many years? 14 years. Yeah. 2006. You've been with uh, the company for a while. I think you were with another connector type manufacturer before. Um, so you've been in the industry for quite a long time. How much have you seen it change over the years? What are like maybe two or three things where it's where it's changed tremendously and maybe something that's stayed essentially the same. So thinking back in terms of how, I mean, I'm really going to date myself. I talk about, you know, I made phone calls on a, on a payphone, and you know, <laughs> but, 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 but that's the reality. I mean, yeah. the, the shifts were from, from really, you know, fax machines and, and, and other things that we were using to immediately communicate information. Mm -hmm. Now with cameras built into devices from, scanners to whatever, you can immediately communicate, you know, very, very uh, uh, distinct and detailed information that would have taken maybe a week to, to get across. Yeah, I mean, to yeah. sit, sit home and maybe pound out a, uh, a long, a long email or something like this. Now things can so quickly be communicated. Mm -hmm. I think that, that the, the universe in terms of global representation of certain things has also increase that. So abilities to get information 
across the, uh, from one point to the other. There are multiple mediums to do that now. I mean, so, so I think, I think the speed up of everything, uh, one, and you look at even just technology in general, how it's sped up and yes, there's, you know, Moore's law and, 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 and other things that have, have generated and, and brought us into this new technology realm. I don't see that changing. I guess there, I don't see change not changing. Right. So sure. I, that's a funny, funny saying, but I would say continually needing to adapt has been the constant. And uh, the other side of it is, yeah, so many changes in terms of how we're, I think, patterned as as either by engineering and how they're also being trained in the universities. Because mm-hmm. now I've seen a couple cycles of, yeah. of, of engineering teams coming out, now getting integrated into their various companies. Uh, but some things also don't change. Seeing certain companies, perhaps levels of arrogance of their abilities mm-hmm. and how they've been you know, written up in, in certain news times, I, I think those kind of things concern me a little bit, that, that direction. Mm-hmm. In other cases, most are in a positive direction. Companies are now being more globally centric and saying green energy and yeah. finding different ways to manufacture things. Mm-hmm. And so our, the manufacturing side of this, I would also say, clearly changed the dynamics of how quickly we can bring something to market. So being on the sales end of that, it's, it's always dynamic to see um, how quickly we could actually turn the first prototype. It used to be maybe, you know, oh, maybe that'll be three or four weeks. Now we're talking two days or three days. So mm-hmm. everything's speeding up, I guess, uh, if I put it all into that category. So you went to college, play baseball, you told me. You want to be a catcher. You wanted to yeah. wear the tools of ignorance, right? <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. So, uh, yeah, because well, I, I love wore baseball. Well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wore those well. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and you went to Bradley, I think, right? Yep. Peoria, okay. Illinois. Yeah. Uh, kind of born and raised in that central Illinois area. Baseball put me through school, but I got my industrial engineering degree and I worked in a steel mill for about three months and I knew that wasn't for me. So uh, <laughs> I, a uh, number of things, but uh, was able to uh, move on to more of a business development type sales type uh, of role. And yeah. from there, yeah, I, I, I love playing baseball. Uh, sport is in my blood. I, I have a lot of friends who actually the day uh, the day I uh, got my first job, about five of my other friends were getting drafted uh, into, oh, wow. into Major League Baseball. Yeah. A couple guys made it up and did very well. Yeah. Um, a couple of uh, guys in my uh, uh, neighborhood, you might say, in the Peoria land uh, did very well. Joe Girardi went on yeah. to uh, Northwestern and then Yankees. Yankees. Yeah. yeah. Almost the Cubs and uh, almost the Cubs being I was on the plane from uh, going to visit a customer in Florida. Yeah. He was on his way back from Chicago to Florida uh, working a crossword puzzle. And of course, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry to bother you, sir. No, you know. that's OK. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So no, I've, I've had but, a couple of those, too. Yeah. Yeah. But but uh, great guy. And then uh, Jim Tomey, Jim Tomey, you know, huge uh, uh, home run hitter for a lot of years. But that that neighborhood of ours and that in that Peoria land, uh, very competitive, very and whether it was basketball, baseball, whatever sport that a lot of people were in. And uh, onward, uh, you know, for me was uh, take the competition into my own uh, you know, work, uh, work world. So now you have two daughters. Did they follow you in the sports world as well? So yes, and uh, but in a different way, they took to the ice rink, and ah. uh, you know they were ice skaters. Uh, their mother, my wife uh, Lisa, of 28 years, she's an ice skater uh, from her 
passed and even her mother. So that came through. And so, well, I changed from a baseball field to the ice rink on, uh, on the early mornings and early uh, weekends. So, yeah. I mean, that's as radically different as can be from baseball yeah. or even if they wanted to do competitive softball. Yeah, I know nothing. I can't even get on skates myself, but I'll tell you, I, I, I put both feet in this way. I uh, said, well, hey, whatever whatever I can do. So I volunteered for odds and ends of doing things. We even started our own club at one time. Really? And it's a syn- synchronized uh, skating to music. Uh, we took them on the road to Michigan, Indiana, wherever, and uh, now it's a, it's a pretty big sport across the, uh, the U.S. But, yeah, so my, my volunteer work worked its way into being uh, uh, playing music at these events. And yeah. then finally, uh, yeah, I've, I, I, I was promoted to announcing these kind of events. So, so anyway, that's, that's uh, some, something to do on the, on the weekends, I suppose. Yeah. Should, should we put you on the spot and make you announce something or you want to hold you, off till another time? I, I'll hold off to another time. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear me. Do that. Okay. So you don't have to, there's no commentary, right? You don't have to do play by play. Like that was a triple sal cow or a triple toe loop or, or yeah, something like uh, yeah. you know, Scott Hamilton does for the Olympics. Yeah, thank goodness. I, I just announced the name, where they're from, what club, and uh, good luck, you know, like this. So, yeah, it's a very simple job. That's all, I, uh, that's all I'm uh, available to do anyway. So. Well, hopefully this time has given you a, a little bit more time with your family, too. Um, yeah. I don't know if the kids are – or I know they're older. I don't know if they've been back yeah. in the area with you and your wife. But um, it must have been nice, hopefully, from that standpoint. Yeah, you know, it's always good to to get back to the to the homestead and and uh, kind of kind of re reestablish roots from which you came and what you're doing around the household and yeah. those kind of things. But my wife still she she she's working on the house. I have the older daughter who just graduated from University of Delaware this last uh, spring, and uh, she's working out of the house. So yeah. our broadband is getting a test right. Now. That's <laughs> that's a, yeah. We'll have to talk to the broadband group next. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Final thing, we'll bring this kind of full circle here. Yeah. You've been with Amphenol for a while. What what do you really appreciate the most about working for this company? Because it seems like you're really passionate about what you do, the opportunities you've been given. And I could yeah. I can just feel from talking to you that you you know, nothing makes you happier from a business perspective than to do exactly what you're talking about is getting, you know, get in front of a person who quote has an idea and you want to help yeah. them out. I would just say the management style, entrepreneurial way in which the company is run, um, there's you know given opportunity to go out and find new business, bring business in, make calculated decisions, and uh, uh, at the same time, we're always pushing technology. And all those things kind of in my DNA were, were there, the match, just, boy, I, I could have been uh, more grateful for the opportunity to to, to uh, be able to start working at Amphenol. And um, I, I, you know, usually new hires are coming in. And one of the first things I always uh, try to, to, to uh, part them with in, 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 this er, in the early days is really look at the landscape of Amphenol and all that it has to offer, not just to your customer, of course, that's a, you know, in a sales role, but also look how it can can elevate your own career because there are so many paths and yeah. opportunities within Amphenol. And we're so all very lucky that uh, that's the structure. Um, and for some, it may not work, but for most, I think it sure does. And for me, it sure does. So, 
I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head as far as how I feel as well. So, again, I want to I want to thank you for taking time to do this today, and uh, glad that you have taken what has been a situation that no one wants to be in, and between you and your team, really made sure that we continue to shine as as only Amphenol can. So, thank you very much for doing this today. Well, I appreciate you having me, Chris. Wonderful uh, to to have this opportunity, and thanks again. Thank you.